When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Mark Morano, author of The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown. You're listening to the Dr. Sky Experience on WABC New York. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the exciting show that you tell us you like so much. We welcome you once again to the Dr. Sky Experience, heard exclusively here on Talk Radio 77 WABC in New York City. And if you're a first-time listener to the Dr. Sky Experience, just know that the content here covers so many wonderful topics from the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather, but more importantly, celebrity guests and guests that talk about American exceptionalism and the status of what's happening with America in the world. Today, no stranger to the microphone, a repeat guest from our Call to Rights radio show years ago, author Mark Morano, his latest regnery book entitled The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown. A brief introduction of our guest, Mark Morano was the publisher of the award-winning ClimateDepot.com, a global warming and eco-news center founded in 2009. Newsweek declared that Morano, and I quote, is quickly becoming king of the skeptics, end quote, in December 2009. The Daily Beast described Climate Depot as a, quote, bustling one-stop shop for climate skeptics, end of quote. Prior to Climate Depot, Morano served for three years as a senior advisor, speechwriter, and climate researcher for United States Senator James Inhofe, a Republican of Oklahoma, and managed award-winning communication operations of the GOP side of the EPW committee. Morano joined the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee as the Majority Communications Director in 2006, after a decade and a half as a working journalist and documentary maker. He joins us here on the Dr. Sky Experience. Mr. Morano, thank you for spending time with us today. How are you? Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, this book, ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned before, it's a must-read, and it goes definitely to the top of our bookshelf. You know, describe a little bit about your works, again, in the climate world, just in case people are listening the first time and say, you know, I think I heard Mark somewhere out there in radio and television land. Describe your passion for talking about the other side of what many people already say is the climate change is a settled subject. What say you about that? Well, I have been fighting the climate battle now for almost two decades. And what I did is I started, I'm an investigative journalist. So, but I, as that capacity during research, I did a thousand dissenting scientists report. I worked for the United States Senate Environment and Public Works Committee and authored 400 dissenting scientists on global warming, grew at this over 700 and eventually over a thousand. And in that capacity, you know, I been working with all these scientists. I realized that this there was a lot more to the climate story than the public was hearing. And I was talking to scientists 
and doing reports on scientists who had been essentially left the United Nations, who were used to be UN climate scientists, but left because they were disillusioned with how the UN presented climate science as a campaign cause with no dissent allowed as a giant narrative. So in doing my research, and I'm talking, I've dealt with Nobel Prize winning scientists and, uh, and the former UN and Harvard, MIT, former NASA, you quickly realize that the story you're being told by the media, by Al Gore, by the uh, United Nations is far from the truth. And it turns out that we are in the, the Earth currently, geologically speaking, we're in the 10% coldest period of Earth's history. 90% of our history has been warmer without, we couldn't support ice at either pole. 90% of our history has had higher CO2 levels. So we're in the lowest period of CO2 and the coolest period. And the idea of warming, we probably have cooled since the Roman warming period of zero AD. We probably have same or cooled since the medieval warming period of around 1300 AD. But we've definitely warmed since 1850, since the end of the Little Ice Age. And I, and all my stuff, I'll show in my talks, books, the charts that show that very simply, you know, if you look at even the United States, the heat waves in the 1930s were about 10 times worse or, or even higher than 10 times worse than anything we've experienced before or since, going back 100 years. Even Biden administration's EPA shows that. But what the Biden administration just did recently to try to get around that is they started their timeline in 1960 when it was much cooler, and they said, look at how bad heat waves have gotten since 1960, yes. ignoring the fact that they were much, much worse. So essentially, there's hundreds of factors that influence the climate. Carbon dioxide is but one of them. It's a political selected factor and everything from tilt of the earth axis to water vapor methane clouds volcanoes uh and the idea that these scientists can come out and say it's our human co2 and you know by the way humans exhale co2 so they want to regulate that sure. now as asbestos as a pollutant uh and this is the world in which we live they're using that as a lever to essentially regulate every aspect of human life well mark morano it's a great introduction here to the book that we're going to be talking about but as an astronomer I've been studying the sun, and we would say it very simply. All yeah, weather comes exactly. from the sun, and the reflectivity of clouds on the earth. It's a whole dynamic process. I couldn't agree with you more, sir, about the science that we have. Of course, there's so much out there that we don't know about the sun's deeper cycles. But here to have you today on our radio show here today, and on this particular podcast that we're talking about, again, a very special guest, no stranger to the microphone. He's a great author and a great patriot here. He's Mark Morano. His book, The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown. And you're listening to me, Steve Cates, here on Talk Radio 77, WABC in New York City. New York City with the Dr. Sky Experience. Our producer for this program is none other than Richard Dugan, Dr. D. Well, let's start off with this book because, you know, I'm, I'm looking through this book and I rarely get to read all the books, but I'm just about finished. I want to be honest with you and the audience. Oh, great. But, Mark, it's, it's so amazing what you're talking about. But here's the quintessential question. What is the Great Reset, just in case people have heard this term and it bounced off their lips and they say, what the heck is Mark talking about? Well, if you listen to Media Matters for America, the George Soros-funded group, they called me a Great Reset conspiracy theorist. So that's all you need to know. If you believe the mainstream media, it's a conspiracy theory and our interview's done. Good night. Da, 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 da. No. That's what right. their media would want you to believe. However, what I do is I go through and I use mainstream sources, New York Times, USA Today, the Washington Post, the BBC, uh, and I use the direct quotes from the World Economic Forum. In short, the Great Reset is coming from the World Economic Forum in Davos, which literally has among its members 
King Charles III, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, all the Fortune 500 and every corporate in America, most of the global population that attends these meetings, the mainstream corporate media that goes, academia, and this is what they've come up with. And, and they're using the March 2020 COVID lockdowns as, in their words, a, quote, narrow, rare window of opportunity by which to reset the earth, reset the globe, reset capitalism, and rebuild it in a sustainable, managed way that helps the earth. So, in essence, the Great Reset is never let a crisis go to waste. COVID sure. comes along and the world overreacts with lockdowns and all the stuff that didn't work, vax mandates and mask mandates. But the climate activists loved that response so much that they want to keep it going now for climate. And that's what the Great Reset is. And it's morphed into the phrase Build Back Better, which our own President Joe Biden has been pushing. Sure. And the idea is you collapse all the old systems and rebuild it in a managerial administrative state. And that's what they're doing. They're collapsing our energy supply intentionally. They're collapsing our transportation system intentionally by banning gas-powered cars. California, 17 states, Biden administration, World Bank. You can't even get a car loan in Australia now. A bank has announced if you're buying a gas-powered car or shortly. And they're collapsing our... Uh, our food system by going after high-yield agriculture and nitrogen fertilizer, claiming it's too much of a warming agent, so they're collapsing that. They're going after meat-eating, and they're going after violation of the First Amendment through corporate government collusion. Big tech censorship is government censorship, and none of this we voted on. So the hallmark of the Great Reset is that unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats make these decisions for you. We never voted for vax mandates, mask mandates, lockdowns. We never voted to ban the gas-powered car. We never voted to ban eating meat. We never voted to end high-yield agriculture. We never voted for censorship. We never voted for blackouts and energy shortages. They're being imposed on us throughout the bureaucracy. That, in essence, is what the Great Reset is, and it's a way to collapse the middle class, make us more dependent on government, and we're going to be led by a very wealthy elite group represented by Davos, the United Nations, even the World Health Organization. Well, this great Regnery book, as you know, sir, we get so many of the great authors there, and I appreciate your time here on the Dr. Sky Experience here on Talk Radio 77 WABC in New York City. And as you know better, sir, I'm just encouraging the audience to learn this and actually read the book and get a copy of it. You have a quote from Rod Serling at the Twilight Zone. I won't read the whole thing. But part of it, I think, is so apropos to this conversation. Logic is an enemy, and truth is a menace. He was a visionary, don't you think? <laughs> yes, and I tell people, now, keep in mind, I'm going to be frank here. I have competition. The Great Reset, Glenn Beck wrote a version of this with Justin Haskins, and Alex Jones has a book on The Great Reset. I've read both of their books. Not taking anything away from their books. However, my book, I've tried to make entertaining, fun, the ultimate resource guide. I have the most footnotes by far of any of the books on The Great Reset. And I tried to make it pop culture friendly, and I bring in thousands of voices, and I weave them together into an, in, to my narrative, into my research, into my... Uh, presentation. And one of those is Rod Sterling. I want people to real, realize that, that Rod Sterling really was a, a, a fascinating political visionary, but he also you know, was a great entertainer. So I opened the book with that quote, but I also featured George Carlin talking about 
essentially public health and how strong your natural immunity is. And he gives a story about, it's a comedic story about how he, he could swim. The reason none of the kids he knew grew up with polio without, even though they didn't have a vaccine then is because they swam in the New York, in the New York Harbor full of human excrement. And then that built their immune system and your immune system is meant to be worked out and tried. And the idea of essentially sealing yourself up in a home and closing the windows and ordering in food and never leaving and not getting sunshine is antithetical. I also feature Bill Maher. So I try to have, um, I try to make an entertaining book. I have little breakout boxes in it as well. But yes, I mean, Rod Serling nails it. And it's, it's, all, it's our future only if we allow it, this dystopian future. That's a key well, this point book, to make. I, I describe it this way, Mark. It's kind of like a, a readable documentary. It's like, you go with the sidebars and all the different stories, which are great, because obviously nobody wants to read a book that has so much technicality in it. This is not for yes. senior engineers. This is for the uh, average My book person. is the anti-wonk book. There it's not go. wonkish, is what I would say. You don't have to be no, a DC insider to understand it. No, I love it. And obviously the whole thing, it screams loudly as you read the book, folks. It talks about, hey, pardon my friends, get up off your ass, folks, do something about this if you're not going to want to comply because you obviously have free will. And as long as you have free will, you need to hear the other side of the story. So this goes great. And as you describe in the book here, I'd like you to comment on this because it almost seems funny and farcical to some. Here we go. Welcome to the future. You will own nothing. You will have no privacy. And yet you will be happy. Describe that in detail in the context of the Great Reset in your book. Yes, that is the message, and they've done slick videos on this from the World Economic Forum in Davos, headed by Klaus Schwab. So when you originally asked me what the Great Reset is, I could, it could also be explained very simply this way. They announced that the Great Reset is, you will own nothing, you'll be happy. In this vision of 2030 is when this originally, it was, they first uttered the phrase in 2014, the Great Reset, and they really activated the plan and in June of 2020, right after the COVID lockdowns began, because they knew they had an opportunity. So you'll own nothing and be happy. You'll have no privacy and life will never be better. And they actually have a, on their website, and, and, and an incredible description of how life, how you're not going to own even appliances. When you want an appliance, they'll just be magically delivered to your home. You'll use it. You'll send it on. You'll have rent-free because during the day, your, your house or apartment will be used uh, for a business conference. So you'll be able to, you know, they'll subsidize your rent that way. And then they say the U.S. will no longer be a superpower. Meat will be rare, expensive treat. Wow. Climate will be the number one focus of solving that. Uh, and they go on uh, from there and they create everything you want will be delivered by drone. So it sounds a lot like a COVID lockdown that you'll be in your home getting orders from, from, uh, you know, everything you want will be delivered, whether it's an appliance or food, you never have to leave. If you do have to go anywhere, you're going to be taking a mass transit and you better be in good standing with the government. You better be masked up and have the proper vaccines. The government says you need, um, or else, or, and if you're, and there's also a digital component and they're pushing this, the, the central digital bank of England has announced they want to do a digital currency of programmable money, much like food stamps with all right. sorts of restrictions. And they actually said the head of the digital of the central bank in, in, in England actually said, we want a digital currency where you can only spend money on what is deemed sensible by government. So if you want to go out and buy, if you want to go out and buy guns, ammunition, or, you know, a fatty hamburger or get gas for your car, that's not going to be deemed sensible in today's world by the great reset agenda. 
wow, this is powerful stuff, and I'm just hoping through this interview and so many others that you do, both in the medium of television and here on radio, that people are slowly going to wake up and hopefully understand this. But, Mark, being here in Phoenix, Arizona, and then, say, back in New York City, I see something out here in the West. I see a number, so many apartment buildings being built. These, I call them stack-and-pack locations. I don't understand how young people or anybody can afford these high rents it goes along with what you're saying here, but think about it this way, and I want your comment. A lot of people who have no money to put down as a down payment on a home, it just seems impossible that they'll ever be able to get a home, and maybe they don't want a home. So all this fits into the Great Reset Plan, right? You're saying you'll own nothing, appliances will be yes. delivered, all this life is just so totally twisted, and I hope people are paying it's attention. It's a serfdom vision. Yeah, it's a serfdom vision, and what they've done is by creating economic calamity, and that's why they love lockdowns. Remember, Jane Fonda, the climate activist, said that COVID was God's gift to the left because wow. they've always sought, since Woodrow Wilson's presidency, going through Franklin Delano Roosevelt, a managerial state, an administrative state. In the book, I feature Stuart Chase, a kitchen cabinet advisor to... to uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the 1930s and 40s, he laid out a vision that sounds just like the Great Reset. He called for nationalization of uh, basically free speech and propaganda. He used the word propaganda. Government would control information so you wouldn't have misinformation. Right. He called for nationalization of food, nationalization of transportation, nationalization of energy, which is where we're all heading. As they collapse everything, and they're collapsing energy, transportation, food, as we speak, they're going to come in and say, well, you know, the private sector just failed. We really need government to come in and take this all over. This is, and this is what it's about. It's not going to be a classic socialist structure they're promoting. They're promoting more of a, what you could call 21st century fascism, where it's going to be a corporate government collusion. And we're seeing that already with the big corporations and the, you know, bowing to the woke sure. environment, social governance, and all to the woke activists and going along with everything that they want. And that's why when you fly United Airlines, you got to watch a video about their climate commitment or every single woke, every single corporate board in America or the, or the globe cowers in fear to the woke activists pushing, you know, whether it's environment, social governance, defunding, uh, fossil fuel projects or, you know, pushing in transgenderism or uh, critical race theory, et cetera. They can't, no one's, everyone's afraid to push back. It's a sort of new form of exactly. tyranny and it's done that way. So they're also collapsing real estate. And the key here is in all these major cities, equity asset firms, BlackRock, State Street are buying up whole neighborhoods, turning owners into renters as economic calamity hits. We're seeing it in farmland. Bill Gates, now America's number one largest farmland owner, competing with China. And even NBC News, who I quote in the book, reports that these family-run generational farms can't compete with the likes of Bill Gates. So they're buying out this farmland. And you ask, well, why does that matter? What Bill Gates is an American. His number one goal is to stop us from eating meat, real meat. And he's pushing synthetic beef, synthetic chicken, which is done by pulling stem cells from a cow, fetal yeah. blood from an unborn cow, and then they put it in a lab, let it percolate for months, they add stuff, they watch it, and then it comes out to some kind of animal blob, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and they grow yeah. meat in the lab, and then they use a 3D printer to make it. That's why it matters that Bill Gates is the number one owner of farmland in America. According to NBC News, that's the important thing. I use mainstream sources. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, we've, we're talking here. <laughs> this is so interesting. As we get into this, just to remind everybody, the Dr. Sky experience continues. 
We're here on Talk Radio 77 WABC in New York City. Our producer is Richard Dugan. And more important than anything, our very special guest today, Mark Morano. No stranger to the microphone, no stranger to television. He's here with a grand, brand new Regnery book. Apropos, ladies and gentlemen, if you're an independent thinker and you're about ready, ready to question some of the things that you've been force-fed through the regular mainstream media, the book, The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown. Got to ask you this. I'm not as knowledgeable on this subject as you are. The World Economic Forum. Talk about that, and let's talk a little bit about who this guy Klaus Schwab is, because I think many of our listeners out there are probably scratching their heads saying, never heard of that guy before. Where did he come from, and what is that economic forum all about? Okay, well, the World Economic Forum was founded in 1971 by Klaus Schwab, and he's what you'd call... I guess you'd, for lack of a better word, a globalist who does not like or believe in national sovereignty. So his, one of his chief aims, blur and weaken national sovereignty. And the idea of that is, and this is what the whole Great Reset is about. It's about making collective decisions and decisions on all levels about every aspect of human endeavor, what you eat, what your thermostat is set at, how much you can travel, what you can say, making all those decisions flow upward to fewer and fewer people. And Klaus Schwab, at the, actually at the most recent Davos meeting in May of this year, 2022, he, he looked around at the crowd of people. These were all the billionaires, the corporate owners, academia, some of the big wigs in media and government officials. And he said, the future here in this room, we here are going to decide the future, everyone in this room. He actually believes, it's almost like he's a Bond villain, maniacal person. He believes that they are going to set the future. And he believes in a really dystopian future. He, he interviewed the head of Google, and I have this in my book, Sergio Brin, the co-founder of Google, asking about brain implants that they expect in the next 10 years, and people will be, they'll be able to tell what the audience is thinking, how they're reacting, and the head of Google is going along with it saying, yeah, that sounds plausible. So they're, they're, they're really talking about what you could call a technocracy, where they're going to use technology to essentially crush human freedom and make us all go along. Just think of the public health campaign, and this is the simplest sure. analogy. When COVID happened, there was only one thing everyone could do. There was a crisis, an emergency. We all had to stay home, mask up, weddings, funerals canceled, done by without a single vote. No one chose this. Churches closed, but somehow Walmart was open. We had the biggest transfer of wealth from poor and middle class to the wealthy, to fewer and fewer hands, a, a more disparity in wealth. I sound like Bernie Sanders now, but this was huh. via government <laughs> policy, not capitalism. And so what happened was they love this so much they want to keep this going. And I detail in the book from the Roman Republic through the Middle Ages, through Germany, 1933, through the 9-11 and the United States with the Patriot Act, emergency declarations have been the, one of the greatest advances of government human rights abuses against its own citizens. And that's what they want to keep going. They want to make a one-party Chinese state in the once free West. And right now in the United States, Joe Biden, according, again, mainstream sources, according to the Washington Post and the Associated Press, is set to declare a national climate emergency and invoke 140 executive powers that he will not need democracy for. It's the Chinification of America. He doesn't need no stinking democracy, no Congress. He'll be able to, and governors and mayors will share these powers. They'll be able to shut down gas stations, control thermostats. We're already seeing it happen in Colorado during heat waves. The utility, you, won't, you can't turn your air conditioner colder. 
California uh, is now looking at similar things. It's already happening in Europe with the thermostat controls. Um, and then, of course, your freedom of movement's at stake. And a declared climate emergency, you can only fly once every three years. These are some of the proposals from academia. You can only fly when it's morally justifiable. This is wow. what literally, and I go through, in the book, I will show you, these are not, I'm not quoting a Greenpeace blog or some nut, you know, sitting in Europe all alone at some left-wing think tank. This is in the British Medical Journal, 230 different medical journals, Harvard School of Medicine. They literally say and sign on a petition saying the COVID response, our response to COVID with lockdowns and heavy-handed government should be the template for a response to climate. So they are just drooling at the opportunity to keep these emergency powers, authoritarian rule going indefinitely. Well, Mark, you got a lot of passion, and I love this. I mean, nothing worse than having a guest that the host has to ask questions, <laughs> and you get yes or no responses or dead air on here, but certainly not with you. And again, let me recommend this book to folks out there to give everybody a choice, whether you're a diehard Democrat and you're still scratching your head about saying, well, wait a minute, I don't know if I really like the way this party's going, or whether you're a Republican, Independent, or whatever, and even people from other countries around the world. This is a global problem that we're talking about here. And I just hope, you know, I'm trying to be the eternal optimist there, Mark, like, like you are, to wake people up, that it's not too late. But is it in, from what I'm reading in your book, doesn't the date of 2030 look like the goal for all this to kind of gel together? Or do I have that pretty much correct? Well, that's been their stated year. In fact, some of this stuff goes back in 2000, at least 16, they were talking 2030. Uh, it was also, I think, the year that Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, said that it was our climate tipping point. The world's going to end in 2030. So in the true climate and in true astrologer fashion, they always end up crossing out the date, and then they'll, they'll need more time, obviously. But that's been their goal, 2030, and both the climate and this whole reset. But obviously, they're going to keep saying, well, eventually, when 2030 approaches and all their goals aren't achieved, they'll say, we need it by 2035. Uh, it's just one of the things they do. But you said something very important. You said, whatever political affiliation you are, that is such an important point. I devoted an entire chapter sure. to left-wing progressives uh, now waking up and realizing this is no longer a left-right political battle. Exactly. It's actually establishment versus anti-establishment or freedom versus tyranny. In other words, there's not much difference between the Republican leadership in Capitol Hill and the Democrat leadership when it comes to these issues. Republican leadership, not necessarily senators or con specific senators and congressmen, we're generally silent about lockdowns, silent about vaccine mandates. They're silent about this whole Great Reset. In fact, they dismiss it as just, you know, as unimportant and nonsense. They, this is the battle. I, I profile Russell Brand, socialist Hollywood actor, who's now been the most eloquent person speaking out against the Great Reset and the unfairness and the tyranny of it. I, I featured Naomi Wolf, the former Clinton Gore advisor, who said she would never have voted for Biden if she realized he was in for this lockdown tyranny. Mm -hmm. I featured Jimmy Dore, who used to be on the, uh, the, the show called The Young Turks, of all these young progressives. Yes. He has been the most eloquent spokesman. I mean, it's incredible. And I go through a whole bunch of other people, Glenn Greenwald, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is now a hero to libertarians, conservatives. Yes. It's a blending of all of these ideologies now, and they're all working to one goal, to defeat this reset. Well, that's amazing that you you know mentioned Robert Kennedy Jr. I mean, I, of all people, you know, you studied him and his political affiliations and the things he talked about in the past. Mark, what do you think? Uh, where did his uh, come-to-Jesus moment or come-to-the-reality moment? What's the story on that, if you know? That's interesting. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., 
has been fighting essentially big pharma for decades. However, mm-hmm. the difference here was, and this is what I find fascinating. First of all, the thing that I know about I've interviewed him. When I interviewed him at a climate march in New York City in 2014, and I detail this in the book, he told me that he wants to see climate deniers. He calls them essentially war criminals who belong at The Hague for for war crimes with three square meals and a cot with all the other war criminals. That was his exact quote. Now, he was pushing at the time for, you know, the whole U.N. climate agenda, you know, the U.N. Paris Agreement, all these climate restrictions. But I think if you listen to what Robert F. Kennedy said, and I say in the book, all is forgiven, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I don't care that he basically called for me to be jailed at the Hague because I was considered a climate denier because he has been such a freedom fighter against all of these government regulations. And I would have to say, if you hear him talk and you replace the words climate for COVID when he's railing about COVID mandates and lockdowns and masks and vaccine passports, et cetera. There is no way that the same Robert Kennedy from 2014 could talk about climate because it's the same institutions, World Health Organization, United Nations, World Economic Forum, that he's fighting now in the Great Reset that were pushing the climate solutions that would be essentially mirror image of the COVID solutions. So Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has still not, I don't think, officially clarified where his views have changed enough, but he has been so eloquent and he's basically gone mostly silent on climate. If you sit him down in interviews, he doesn't rail on climate change that much anymore because he's so focused on COVID, but also it would make no sense for him to be supporting, you know, UN agreements or World Economic Forum because they're all the same globalist reset agenda. He's a fascinating character to watch as we go forward. Absolutely, and it's amazing. I mean, he's in struggling with a health issue too. I understand. I've heard him many times. He's got. A, he says it's a it's a benign health issue. It affects yeah. the way he speaks. Uh, but he's a, he's a hero just because he he lays it out there. And he's throughout my book from the first chapter all the way through, not just the progressive chapter, but even someone like the lady named Kim Iverson who used to be with the Hill. Mm-hmm. She was a sort of lefty journalist. I was on her show a couple of weeks ago talking about my book, and then she did a segment today in The Great Reset, her first one that I'm aware of or uh, since she interviewed me. And she actually said she's a lifelong environmentalist and all of these scaremongering from COVID and she's seeing it now with climate. She's starting to reassess whether she's been lied to about climate. In other words, she was a believer in the climate. Emergency, and she's seeing all the solutions. She's seeing what's happening with the Great Reset, and she's openly on air. And I feature this today at ClimateDepot.com. Feature. She's now questioning whether she still is that you know climate believer, and whether they've lied to her and exaggerated because she no longer trusts the sources. And that's the key here. When people get, I would use the word red pilled, which means they take the pill and they start sure. seeing the world in a completely different way. That you know, just from the film The Matrix, you see the truth, and you're no longer living in your, you know, in your propaganda-fed world by all these global institutions. You know, it's amazing, ladies and gentlemen. You're here on the Doctor Sky Experience. Our very special guest, author Mark Morano, ClimateDepot.com, that's his website. You're here on Talk Radio 77 WABC in New York City as we talk with great guests in this particular edition about big things coming with America as we talk about truth, justice, and the American way. You know, we have you for another 15 minutes or so, if that's okay by you, sir, but it's always time well spent for this audience out there that just loves to hear differences of opinions on very controversial subjects. Let's talk about Bill Gates for a minute. I mean, you see this guy, and I, I think one of the other, Joe Rogan, I think, said something to, to him in a not very polite way, that he looks sickly, and 
for a man that has all these billions of dollars, who's he to try to tell us how to live our lives? But his plan seems to be very, very oppressive to anybody that loves freedom. Just talk a little bit more about him and what we see coming in the near future. Yes, Bill Gates is a major player in the Great Reset. Okay, here's the deal with Bill Gates. He was generally loathed, uh, even by mainstream media, by the late 90s. He was known as a monopolist. He had scandals. He had lawsuits from former partners. He was appearing uh, you know, in, in courthouses. He had a really lousy, terrible image. So he set out to remake himself. And one of the ways he did it was through philanthropy of vaccines. And he started pushing vaccines all over the world. Now, as part of this, he ended up spending over $300 million to buy better media. Everything from NPR, and I detail in the book some of the interviews and how gloating they are. Well, one of the reasons they're so gloating is he's funding these news outlets, and it's millions of dollars a year. So I go into great detail on that in the book. But here's the key with Bill Gates. He is the second largest donor next to the United States government to the World Health Organization. Interesting. Now think about that, because it was the World Health Organization that went in January of 2020 and said, we're going to send an investigative committee to China to, to look at how the lockdowns are going. And they, after like two or three days, came back and said, if you want to know how to fight a virus, we need to do what China's doing, which is lockdown, lock people in their homes. We need oh. lockdown of health, unprecedented in public health in free countries. Mm-hmm. They sent a sham committee, and that's what ended up happening. So Bill Gates is in collusion with the World Health as their second largest donor, and World Health is essentially controlled by China. So what happened was we did a mass experiment on people, a mass incarceration of healthy people. We had these lockdowns, which every, by every metric, lockdowns killed. We're now finding out they probably killed more than they ever could have theoretically saved. They've caused medical treatments to be delayed, cancer screenings. They've caused mental health issues. They've caused addiction issues. They've caused learning disability in kids, masking of children, 300% increase in verbal communication problems among kids, you know, elementary school, learning to talk and even younger. So Bill Gates is rolling all this. His message now is, and and I have this in the book, if you want to know how to fight a virus, Look to the way Australia did. That's the way we should all do it in the future. Australia, next to China, had the most authoritarian, tyrannical response exactly. to COVID. They had lockdowns with internment camps. You had track and trace apps that followed you around, part of this technocracy where they turned technology into a form of tyranny. And if you were at a store and you were near within 10 feet of someone who tested positive, you didn't even have to know the person. Your phone would beep and you'd have government officials come and forcibly take you to an eight or 12 day quarantine camp where you would be held against your will. And they would have police and military go to beaches, helicopters clearing people off of beaches. You couldn't protest if you met your right to assembly was violated. The reason I'm going into great detail about Australia is this is the country that Bill Gates wants the world to follow next time. He knew he, he probably really wants us to follow China, but he knows that's not politically OK at this point. So he's saying Australia. But listen to what he says, because this yeah. is not just some idle billionaire mouthing off. This is a guy that has the means, the influence, the money, and the, and the power to make that happen. So that's why Bill Gates is one of the most important players in this great reset. He also called for longer lockdowns. 
at the same week he did this in January of 2021, yes. he literally was making a bid on the largest private jet transport company. So in other words, people couldn't fly. We had no freedom of movement with extended lockdowns. But Bill Gates was buying a private jet transport company for huh. he and his other you know, billionaires who could fly around because it's not going to affect them. None of this affects them. They're going to be eating meat. They're going to have plenty of energy. They're going to have freedom to travel. It's going to be the masses. And that's what we are to them, the unwashed masses who, if left to our own devices and government doesn't step in and manage every aspect, will create inequity, white supremacy, uh, and environmental catastrophes. They're very open. You, the World Economic Forum doesn't want private car ownership. We've seen the UK Transportation Secretary saying owning a car is outdated 20th century thinking. We sure. have a UN declaration called the Vancouver Declaration that says private ownership of property leads to wealth concentration and essentially inequity. And this is why they don't even want private property. That's behind this whole you'll own nothing and be happy. They call the suburbs racist. We have racist highways. It's all part of it. I go into great detail as well about that whole movement to end all private right. home and car ownership. Well, we want to find ways as we conclude this interview in just a few, and not that I want to. The clock rules, as we all know, but the point is that we're going to get some feedback from you on how we stop it. But before that, ladies and gentlemen, if you think what Mark's talking about is rather spooky and you're not in lockstep with this, the state of California seems to be following this pretty well, uh, Mark, as far as what? No more gasoline cars after 2030. Uh, that's going to be another yes. of these changes. That, that, to me, is so ridiculous. And they can't even produce enough power. I mean, for people who have a Tesla out there, that's great for what it seems to do. You're not at the pump. But what? Most of these batteries, where are they made? In China? We don't have enough infrastructure to yeah. develop and produce electricity. C carry on with this, because that's a whole other scam to many people out there that has no easy answer, right? Yes. In fact, no one voted for that in California. Governor Newsom issued an executive order, a California Air Resources Unelected Bureaucracy, uh, issued these directives by 2030, no more gas-powered cars. And it's worse than it sounds because leading up to 2030, there's going to be all sorts of increasing restrictions on car sales and dealership. But here's the kicker. It's not just California. We can't just look last, sit back and say, oh, those nuts, they deserve it. You shouldn't live in California. What a bunch of loons. 17 states, including my home state of Virginia, are, are under trigger laws, are following California's lead. The Biden administration so enamored, Pete Buttigieg just this week announced that he's looking at a national ban on gas-powered cars. The World Bank has announced yeah. that we need a timetable to end the funding of gas-powered cars. I think I already mentioned a, a bank in Australia is not going to give car loans. So it's going to create two things, car shortages and and force people into the city buses, force people to mass transportation. So much like Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake. This is going to be let them ride the city bus. They yeah. know that electric cars can't be ramped up to replace it. So they're creating a car shortage intentionally to force people in the mass transit and to force people to travel less because that's good for the planet. We'll have lower emissions. Cubits basically has this model where they're driving around 1950s, you know, Chevy Bel, Bel Air, <laughs> yeah. Chevy Impala's. And now also East Germany is, our, is their role model because East Germany had one car approved by the government, the crappy East German Trabant. And that car, people would be on waiting lists for years to get this yeah. East German approved car. That's what we're looking at with a, with a gas-powered car ban and only electric is a government approved car. This is not very difficult to comprehend. It's insanity and it's like voodoo economics if you think of it in that regard. But more, more prolifically, tell that to farmers and ranchers in the outback 
that you're going to get rid of their diesel-powered pickup trucks or anything like that about distance, that's not going to fly. Mark, not to scare us because you're giving us the truth here. We appreciate that here on the Dr. Sky Experience. You're listening to our special guest today, Mark Morano, author of many books. This one, The Great Reset, Regnery, of course, Global Elites, and The Permanent Lockdown. We're here on Talk Radio 77 WABC in New York City with our producer, Richard Dugan. Got to go to this dark side here, and you write it so eloquently in the book here. Immunity passports, and then the one that really spooks me, is a social credit score like that of China. Folks, listen up. Mark, bring in the best of what I think is in this book about a warning about something here that could really change your life, not for the best. Interesting, Mark. Tell us. Is that a question for me? Yeah, I want to know. Talk talk about yeah, immunity passports, but more so the social credit score. That's horrible. Yes. Now, if you remember back in the '90s, Ross Perot debated Al Gore and Larry King, and they were talking about NAFTA, world trade, and essentially the argument at the time was. We're going to bring China, we're going to bring them into the community of the world, and China's going to be more like us. They'll shed their tyrannical ways, and they'll be more free market, and they're going to be another democracy, and we're going to bring them around. Well, the opposite happened. China gutted our industrial base through all these uh, agreements, and India, and the U.S. has been gutted, number one. And number two, the U.S. has now become more like China. And that is the most frightening aspect of this, because this Chinese social credit system, and I have a whole chapter devoted to it, the idea is you no longer have rights by God, you no longer have natural rights, you no longer have a bill of rights. Your rights under a Chinese social credit system are derived from how obedient you are to the regime in power. In other words, if you don't get a government-mandated viral vaccine, COVID-19, you lose access to your bank account. And I detail that where countries in Europe, Africa, were actually implementing that, where you couldn't even get banking unless you got the vaccine. If you are a gun owner, if you are a meat eater, if you are fill in the blank, the government is going to be using this to control you. And I already mentioned the central bank digital currency, where they want it to be uh, programmable, which means it has to be, quote, deemed sensible by the government. Well, the only way you're going to be able to do these purchases is if you're in good standing. We saw it in real time. Again, this isn't theoretical. We had the Freedom Convoy. I use this example. In Canada, protesters against endless COVID lockdown and vaccine mandates that uh, Justin Trudeau, Canadian prime minister, declared them a homegrown domestic terrorist. He then worked with the banking establishment, and they were more than willing to work with Justin Trudeau. And they cut off the ability of these truckers to access their own money. So if you had a major bank credit card, you could no longer use it if your name was on that list as a domestic terrorist for doing a peaceful protest. And if you here's where it gets even worse. If you baked a cake cookies made coffee for them you'd be considered essentially a uh, infiltrator or you know supporter and you would have your bank shut off and this is what i mean by the social credit so the idea is and there's also something called environment social governance which is now being pushed by blackrock it's a coercive attempt telling corporations and institutions and private businesses that you go along with this or you're not going to get funded you're not going to get favorable interest rates and what that means is you have to have equity. You have to believe in the critical race theory. You have to have the transgender. You have to have the right makeup of your employer. Wow. And you have to have a business that doesn't harm the earth as they define it. So fossil fuels are out. In fact, that's one of the biggest factors of the Biden administration is using this social credit score. ESG, John Kerry is getting these climate pledges from the CEOs. 
Why, why do you think they need 87,000 new IRS agents? The companies that aren't in compliance with this can be essentially threatened with sure. audits and all sorts of problems. And this is one of the biggest things. So we are becoming more like China. And I go into great detail how China's social credit system works. You can just become, it, it, here's how it's explained. In the modern era, the new tyranny is going to be to unperson and cancel you and make you irrelevant versus the old tyranny that required concentration camps, secret police, standing sure. armies. The new one is you have an app. It traces you. You have digital money. It tracks you. You do things that are not favorable to the state. You lose the ability to spend money. You lose the ability to, to freedom of movement. You lose the ability. Uh, essentially, in China, they actually you know, alert you if you're near someone who's in debt, someone who's not in a, a good standing. And the whole thing is bonkers because Sri Lanka had the highest environment social governance score under this social credit system, and the whole country collapsed. Uh, and their, their presidential palace was overrun with the peasants, in quotes, with the masses. And, of course, the United States' social credit score is somewhere in the mid-50s, you know, comparatively to the near 100% that Sri Lanka had. Mark, we only have a few more minutes. I'd love to carry this on in the future edition here, but I think the message is sure. loud and clear. If you could give us an idea what the average person who reads this book can do, I do appreciate your time. Tell us as we end the show in just about two minutes here on this edition of the Dr. Sky Experience. What, what can we do well, for the people that to, are out there that are concerned? It's time to give up, submit, and accept tyranny. No, just kidding, just kidding. All right. No, actually, the whole last chapter is devoted to how to fight this, and we're already seeing results. The lowest level of politics, school board level, change nationally. In Virginia, my home state, was probably the best example. They, the school board protest against uh, critical race and against transgender and against the COVID masking and theater. Parents were getting arrested. Parents were getting detained. The, the Justice Department called them domestic terrorists, just like Justin Trudeau did with the Canadian trucker convoy. But they stayed and they fought. They toppled a Democratic Party machine led by Terry McAuliffe, whose sole goal, number one goal as governor, was going to be imposed vaccine mandates on all Virginians' businesses. He was gung-ho on it, doubling down, tripling down. He was, not, he was going to keep the COVID going on in school. He got toppled. And that led the National Democratic Party reassessing, and they lifted vax mandates in San Francisco, Boston, Washington, Baltimore, uh, Philadelphia, you name it. Every major liberal city dropped it because of a political terror. That's how you can affect change. I say in the book, the Berlin Wall didn't fall because... Uh, the East German parliament decided 40 years of Soviet oppression was enough. Let's, you know, give the people freedom. It fell because people no longer gave their consent to tyranny. So we have to fight back to fight at every level. And we need reforms. We need at the state level and at the federal level reforms of emergency power criteria, the ability to declare emergency, what criteria, and the ability to keep extending them indefinitely. We're still living under a COVID emergency. Biden keeps extending it. It's already extended in the next year, which keeps them having these kind of authoritarian powers. They can just, you know, that's how they justified the mask mandates and, and all these federal mandates on well. vaccines. Normally, these kind of things would be debated and voted on in Congress. And believe me, I don't think they would have passed had they been introduced as legislation. But hey, we're in an endless emergency and of COVID. But just keep in mind, climate will be the true endless emergency. They have no criteria by which to solve climate, whatever be reached. It's going to be a permanent 
crisis that could go on decades or beyond, and any storm will be weaponized as proof that we need to do more, just like an uptick in cases were proof that people weren't wearing their masks and had to be punished, and the wow. mask mandates will be extended. This is a frightening world. We have to defy at every level. It begins with refusing masking, refusing vaccine mandates, refusing your kids being socially distanced, and refusing uh, to give up your cars, refusing to give up meat. We have to like stand up on every principle and force the people who should be on our side, i.e. Republicans, to actually challenge these narratives. And that's going to be our biggest challenge because well, there really is a one-party system in Washington. That's the problem. Well, Mark, you're an amazing guest here of the book, The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown, available where all good books are sold, climatepeople.com. We hope we can do this again. Please stay on the line as we go to the hard break here on this particular edition of the Dr. Sky Experience, heard here on Talk Radio 77 WABC in New York City. We want to thank our producer, Richard Dugan. Thank you so much, Mark. Please stay on the line. And always, as we continue to talk about these subjects from the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather, celebrity guests, and issues that affect every American as we continue to talk about our freedom. Thank you, Mark Morano.